Good morning, Mission Vineyard. What a time that we can come to you live this morning in a way to be able to broadcast all that's going on in the church, a message from our community, with our community. Thank you all for joining us online, Facebook. For some of you who are technologically impaired, I'm sure that there were hurdles that you had to jump over this morning, but I just want to say welcome. My name is John Arelli. I'm the senior pastor at Mission Vineyard. Hopefully you've enjoyed worshiping a little bit this morning engaging with what's been going on. But uh, I want to read you an announcement. There's a uh, reason why we're online this morning. What's going on is a declaration of public health emergency that San Antonio has declared this past Friday, March 13th. And because of that, the Duseum, which is the facility where Mission Vineyard hosts uh, our services, has closed their whole building beginning this past Friday and then leading up to this Friday, March 20th. And at that point, they're going to make a decision on whether or not to open again. But we're going to be following along with what the city is doing in their public health emergency uh, because we think it's in the best interest of uh, our church, of our city, and of everything that's going on uh, in the world right now. Uh, there have been no presumptive or confirmed cases within our church community or the museum community, uh, but by suspending all the operations, we hope that uh, we'll be able to protect Mission Vineyard community and our, our larger community as well from the spread of the COVID-19 virus. Uh, if you want more information on that, you can go to sanantonio.gov health and the public health emergency from the mayor is listed there. Now, what that means for all of us is that we get to engage in what it means to operate within anxious times. We're learning about what it means to truly follow Jesus in anxious times and in emergencies. And today, what I would love to focus on and on and to be present to with you is what it means to be a non-anxious presence in the midst of emergencies, because that's who Jesus is. Our whole sermon series right now is on following Jesus. Now... Uh, if you know me well, my wife knows me well, she knows that I respond to anxiety and emergency in really funky ways, but probably just like you too, because we're all a little funky. Uh, so for me, when an emergency comes on, my whole body clenches up like this. It's like I, I, I want to control everything. So my whole body just goes. Argh! And so if you're around me, I'm probably going to want to control the situation. That's just one of the negative responses that I have. Uh, if you know me, I probably yell. I go, ah! And there's this intensity of my voice because in anxiety, my whole body's clenched. And I just know that that's what's going on. And sometimes I go away and, and I like to steam quietly. So I'll go into like a corner inside myself, if that makes any sense. And I'll just be steaming, not really knowing what to do, but just responding to the anxiety that I'm feeling. And it could be an anxiety within me that has nothing to do with an emergency that's actually going on, but it's something that I'm feeling. There's a story that I'm telling myself that goes beyond what's happening outside of me. Now, in times of anxiety, I do have a couple of ways, some, some positive ways that I respond to anxiety or emergency. Uh, one of those is to worship. I love worshiping. Sometimes I'll get in the car and I'll turn up the volume all the way and destroy my ears, but I'll be worshiping really, really loudly. Or uh, I'll go to the piano or the guitar and just between Jesus and I speak to him in a way where I'm able to surrender everything that's going on inside of me. 
Sometimes God leads me to silent prayer or meditation. And uh, those are places where uh, I just speak over the names of Jesus, or I just say, come Holy Spirit, in a breath after breath after breath, welcoming Jesus into my anxiety. Uh, sometimes uh, I exercise. I'll just know I need to go for a run. And in that run, welcome Jesus into a place uh, where I just I just ask him to be present. In fact, uh, one of the um, sort of rhythms of our lives that Arlita and I have taken on, my wife and I have taken on over the last year, is walking with one another every night. And that's been beautiful. Now, some of you have other ways. Some of you and some of us overgeneralize things as a response to anxiety. That's just a, a way of seeing a negative event as, as a negative over. It just never ends. It's a pattern. We just overgeneralize. It's always going to happen. We have mental uh, filters. We picked out every negative detail that's going on. Uh, we disqualify any positive. So in the midst of this emergency, for instance, we could say, San Antonio is doing a really good job at responding. But one of you would say, oh, they're not going to respond well. Just always negatively responding. We can make assumptions about what's going on when we really don't know the details. And we just think pessimistically about that. Uh, we can anticipate things badly. Uh, if you feel it, therefore, it must be true without actually listening to the truth. We make should statements or um, I should have done or I never should have done. We make those kind of vows within us that they just seed us with woundings, I think, after that. Labeling and mislabeling. Uh, we just negatively label ourselves. Uh, we, we take things personally that actually have nothing to do with us as if somebody's against us. These are all ways that we can respond very negatively to emergencies and where anxiety rises up in us. And it doesn't just affect us but affects everyone around us. Today, I want to introduce you to a time when Jesus faced an emergency. Jesus was busy, and Jesus took time alone, and Jesus had great ways of pausing and allowing himself to be present to his own anxiety. But could you imagine being Jesus and ministering to thousands and thousands and thousands, and a personal emergency comes up? And that's where we're reading from today. If you remember anything from today, I want you to remember this. Following Jesus offers a way to live peacefully in him while engaging in an anxious world. I'm going to say that again. Following Jesus offers a way to live peacefully in him while engaging in an anxious world. I want to pray for us right now. Just come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And as I'm praying today, some of you might feel silly at extending your hands because you're at home and it, and it doesn't feel like you're present in community. I want you to engage in a way, and I really do feel like God's presence is with us this morning. I'm going to extend my hands. It might feel weird because we're not in a church with everybody else extending their hands. But if you're at home right now, I would just encourage you to extend your hands and welcome Jesus in, into the midst of this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to wait. And part of being present to this emergency and being a non-anxious presence in the midst of this emergency, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait for just a minute. Come, Holy Spirit.
Lord, we give you our hearts. We give you our minds, every thought. We surrender it to you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 11. And if you're at home, you can grab your Bible. You can open up to John chapter 11. We're also going to have it on the screen. Hopefully that'll process well for you. Uh, but this is John chapter 11, verse 1. And it's a story about a man named Lazarus. And the story really lays out what's going on. But Lazarus is one of Jesus's dear friends from a place that Jesus held really dear called Bethany. And Bethany is like a colony for people who are sick and poor. It's where Jesus hung out a lot. It's where Jesus was anointed. There his feet were anointed, where people just loved him so well and where he felt at home. And that's where Lazarus is from, and that's where the story begins. So John chapter 11, verse 1, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters Mary and Martha, and those names might sound familiar to you, uh, people that were just really close to Jesus. This is the Mary who poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. I want you to hear that. There, there was a confidence in Martha and Mary to go to Jesus and say, this is someone you care about, especially Jesus. It's something that we need to, to hold in tension. Jesus cared for everybody. But he also had friends. And so this is a real emergency to him. It's like hearing that a family member is sick. It's like hearing that somebody that he grew up with was sick. This is somebody who's so dear to him that's interrupting his inner life. So the two sisters sent a message, Lord, your dear friend is sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. no. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. We don't know if Jesus knew about this. We don't know if Jesus is speaking life into the situation where he's giving a prophetic word that Lazarus will not die from this. This was not going to happen. I have confidence in the Lord. He's, he's not ramping anything up, but there's, there's, some, there's some sort of confidence that he has in this moment. They're saying, Jesus, someone you love is ill. He says it won't lead to death. He's going to say that he's saying that God is going to get the glory, that he's going to be glorified. Jesus is going to get credit through it as well. Let's continue. Chapter 11, verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no light. So all of a sudden, Jesus gets weird. You can imagine, uh, I don't know, some of you might just act weird in the midst of an emergency, but to the rest of the disciples who are looking to Jesus for confidence and to be assured in the midst of ministry and, and they're all working together, there's a system going on. He goes, yeah, I might get stoned. And he, he uses this weird wording. He waited for two days 
And he said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to wait for two days. Not a big deal. God's voice will always bring freedom is the confidence that Jesus is espousing in this place. He is the light. There's 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. He's making a connection between himself and walking in the day. This is odd, but he's trying to tell them, no matter what's going on, even if I get stoned, that God will be glorified in all of it. I want to bring something up right now. One thing that we have to recognize as a pattern of the Christian faith is that no matter what's going on, if Jesus is asking us to be in places of emergency, like this outbreak, like this pandemic, if most of the churches in the United States aren't meeting publicly today, if China has had an underground church for years and years, uh, those scary situations we get to be involved in them, but we also get to see God get the credit even more. The more that followers of Jesus are involved in dangerous situations, the more that God gets to get the credit. So as we see these kinds of emergencies happening, I want us to hear Jesus saying, don't worry about your life. Be confident that I'm going to get the victory out of this. No matter what's going on in this pandemic, if we lean into Jesus, if we believe in him, if we welcome him into all of life, things might get more dangerous. Let me just be the pilot on the airplane before uh, turbulence for a second. We, we might not be in a safe situation for weeks. Who knows how long? And I'm not afraid of that. The church should not be afraid of the tensions and the emergencies and the anxieties of the world because of following Jesus, we get to welcome him into all of life and believe that he's going to get glory out of it. We don't lean into our own understanding. We lean into his victory. The scarier the situations, the more credit God gets to get out of them. Jesus says, walk in the day, which means follow him. Don't walk in the night. People in the darkness will only trip you up, another translation says. So I'd encourage you to stay in community as much as possible in this season. We're online right now. You're, hopefully you're getting some encouragement this morning. But it's those family and friends that are walking in the light, that are following Jesus, that are going to be able to reflect the confidence of Jesus in the midst of the emergency. There are people that are walking in darkness today. They may have different agendas. They may be scared for their lives. They may be uh, having all those anxious moments that I talked about that we have sometimes. I want to encourage you that this is the time to lean into those places where followers of Jesus are confident about the win he's going to get in the emergency. That's where he's asking us to live. That's where he's living here. So, in John chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus continues. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'll go and wake him up. Now, Jesus didn't actually believe that he was sleeping like snoring. He knew he was using a sleep as an analogy for death. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll soon get better. They didn't get it. And of course they didn't because Jesus talked in analogies all the time. They were still trying to figure out what he was like and what he meant. But then he explained it 
plainly. He told them, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad he, I wasn't there because now in the midst of the emergency, you will really believe. Come, let's go and see him. And then Thomas responds in the most beautiful way. He makes a choice in the midst of the tension. He chooses from anxiety to faith. Let me tell you, I live in anxiety all the time sometimes. I, I fight it all the time, especially in this kind of situation. Now, anxiety is a horrible place to live. Faith is a harder place to live, but it brings more life. So here's Thomas, and he's choosing to go from anxiety into a place of faith. And look what he says. Uh, let's go see him, is what Jesus says. And Thomas, doubting Thomas, says, let's go to, and let's, we'll probably die with him. He knows that faith is harder than the anxiety or worry he would feel, but he chooses it anyway. Because he knows that following Jesus is going to bring more life. Even dying with him is going to bring more life. These are the kind of choices that we have to make. Some of you in the midst of addiction and struggle. In the middle of the night, I know that some of you are just struggling between sin and life. Between falling to your anxieties and all the bad behaviors that come with those anxieties. Or leaning into the harder place. Even if that struggle in you is, is so difficult that your faith, it's so hard to have faith in those moments, but they, it brings more life. You know this, those who have struggled with addictions, those who struggle with anxiety, the living in anxiety and responding to anxiety brings death. Living in faith, even though it can be more difficult and sometimes more dangerous, brings much more life. This is what Jesus is asking us to, to do. This is where he's asking us to live. The only way we know where we're going in times of anxiety is to follow Jesus through those emergencies and be a non-anxious presence. Now, I want to invite my wife, Arlita, up. Arlita, we're going to sit down for just a second and talk about some process. Welcome, Arlita. Hi. Hi. If you can speak towards the mic as sure. loud as you can, because <laughs> I'm very loud and it's, all the audio is going to be different. Um, one of the things that you know I struggle with is anxiety and responding very poorly in anxiety in our family. And we've had some great conversations about what it means to mm -hmm. confront me and one another in the midst of anxiety and then clean up our messes. But uh, you've been engaging in this uh, class called Faith Walking. Mm -hmm. And Faith Walking, uh, just tell us a little bit about Faith Walking. Uh, faith Walking is a tool, like a discipleship, um, like life transformation type tool um, that kind of goes through um, kind of like our formative years and experiences that we had in those times and how that shapes us and how we choose to show up um, in situations, especially stressful, anxious, anxiety-producing situations. Um you kind of like those first formations and experiences we had, unless we were intentional about showing up differently, we're going to kind of show up in the way that we've been patterned to do it for years and years and years. We don't even necessarily, it's not even a conscious thing. So for you, it's, I mean, I know because I'm your husband that you've been able to engage some ways of um, reviewing uh, some of the ways that you've grown up and reviewing some of the patterns that you've instilled on yourself. 
and then creating new patterns in the way that you respond to anxiety. What's that been like? Um, I think the best tool resource that I discovered through this process is is a posture of curiosity. Hmm. Um, we kind of encourage that in our kids and we're like always talking about our kids like, oh, they're so curious. And we and then we kind of forget about that as adults. And um, so kind of taking a posture in almost every situation and being curious about my response. Um, and yeah, just being curious, I think, sometimes about other people's behavior, like my children or my husband, <laughs> um, you know, being curious, like, why is he behaving that way? Uh, and then being curious about myself and then I get to choose how I respond or react, react yeah. or, um, yeah. Yeah. Yesterday we were celebrating our daughter's birthday mm -hmm. and I was having the hardest time filling these stupid balloons with paint. And, uh, at some point I said, the story that I'm telling myself is blah, 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 because I recognized that I was having anxiety about pre preparing and how I was relating with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, what does it look like? What are some great patterns in, in what it could look like for us to get curious? What are some questions that we could ask? What are some things that we can say internally in order to process through? Because when we're anxious, we're anxious. Like there, it's hard to break out of those cycles. What has that been like for you? What are some good examples that maybe we could use? I, I, I often literally ask, I'm curious about, or to myself internally, why am I angry? Why am I scared? Why am I afraid? Um, why do I have rage? <laughs> Um, and taking that moment to pause and have that self-reflective question usually kind of gives me a moment to be more intentional with how I'm showing up. And that could be in certain situations, I actually have to apologize for my behavior that in, yeah. my, in my anxiety, I acted a way that wasn't helpful to the situation. It added to the anxiety. It didn't take away, it escalated a situation. It didn't de-escalate a situation. Yeah. And depending upon the relationship and um, the roles we play in those relationships, uh, maybe with a safe friend or a spouse, there could be a time where I express some of my anxieties and I say, I'm feeling really anxious here. Kind of saying it out loud, bringing it into the light, as you're mentioning, walking in the light um, sometimes helps kind of um, kind of give me pause and say, how do I want to show up differently? And like by naming it out loud, it kind of helps lose its power a little bit over me and my thoughts and my actions. And It sounds like we need a couple of resources. One is a place of honesty in our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think, <laughs> I think especially in the midst of emergency, uh, there can be like a working up mm -hmm. to, to, um, to try to feel strong mm -hmm. and in that strength kind of fake it till you make it, uh, because we actually don't want to feel that we're afraid or we're anxious, mm -hmm. that we're questioning what's going on around us. Uh, but it sounds like we all need the safe place to say, this is how I really feel, mm -hmm. or I really don't know how I feel. Can you ask me some hard questions? Mm -hmm. Uh, can you be a safe place to confront me? Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's hard. Yeah, I think we don't really actually think well when we're in those heightened um, emotional response moments. Yeah. And so by, you know, you kind of sometimes like in parenting, they say if you don't want to react poorly to your children, like take, you know, count to three or 10 and you maybe you'll respond differently. I think it's similar type of strategy by taking a moment to take a deep breath and then you get to, it kind of gives your mind a moment to decide how you want to show up differently, not better, just differently. Um, and then, and, and maybe I still am anxious, but like I've, I feel like this, the level of intensity and the anxiety kind of decreases a little bit and I can decide, do I want to argue with my spouse? Do I want to yell at my children or do I actually want to respond in a way that I'm going to get the, like 
have more of a give and take in relationship there. I think as you've gone through this class, what I've learned the most what is how much we actually transfer anxiety mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't have those moments of waiting, mm -hmm. what typically happens is by not not even knowing it, we just transfer the anxiety to somebody else. And then that person who transferred feels better. And then right, yeah. the new person Take on my anxiety. <laughs> spouse, yeah. child. Yeah. And then you and then that person is holding the anxiety and then they transfer it to somebody else. Um, yeah, and then it kind of can create just a whole mess. <laughs> right. I mean, in a family, you could imagine a family dynamic. Mm -hmm going through this cycle of anxiety as one person transfers to the other, to the other. And then the children start acting out in ways that we wouldn't ever see them act mm -hmm. out. Yeah. But because the anxiety is being transferred one to the other, I actually think that as Jesus uh, hears about this emergency, mm -hmm. that his friend dies mm -hmm. and he waits two days and he doesn't even tell Mary and Martha that he's waiting two days, but he waits for two days before he does anything, doesn't tell the disciples, doesn't tell anybody what he's doing. He hears that Lazarus is dying and he waits for mm -hmm. two days. I actually think he's waiting with his heavenly father mm -hmm. and trying to process what it means to be present, not only to the disciples as he's telling them, hey, it's better that, you know, uh, we waited so that you could have some faith. I mean, this, his best friend is dying and he's saying, uh, you know what, let's wait so you can have more faith in this. I mean, that's being... Yeah a non-anxious presence in the midst of an emergency. Yeah. But I would imagine he's also thinking about Mary and Martha mm -hmm. and wanting to show up as his best self to them. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine these sisters that have just lost their brother mm -hmm. in a, a poor town, a town that's named for poverty, mm -hmm. and he shows up as an anxious presence? Not helpful. Not helpful. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the anxiety gets transferred and transferred and transferred. Yeah, I think the beautiful thing like about this faith walking tool, for example, is supposed to move us towards transformation and becoming more like Jesus. And so um, in choosing to show up differently and being curious and thinking through our patterns and all that stuff, it kind of moves us to compassion, empathy, caring for others. It's not just about me. Yeah. It's that how do I, I'm thinking, for example, with my children, you know, if something else is going on in my family and if I transfer the anxiety to them, the whole situation feels more anxious and more of an emergency yeah. where if I just take a pause and choose to show up differently, then their experience of all that is different. And how, if I'm welcoming Jesus into that experience, then that's what they're remembering. That's what they're experiencing. Mm. Mm. And it moves them closer to Jesus as opposed to away from Jesus. It, it makes them help to want to like go into situations and care for others as opposed to like, I mean, we have to be isolated a little bit right now in this current time physically, but we can still reach out to people through text message or neighbors. We can do different things that way. And so I think it helps. It's, it's to move us towards compassion and caring for others. And that's partially what Jesus did. Obviously, he still cared for Lazarus and he still went to him. It yeah. wasn't like he was like, yeah, he's dead. And right. <laughs> like, deal with it. He didn't say that. He kind of was trying to live in both places. It takes, for me as I'm processing even now, it takes a step of faith to breathe. It takes a step of faith to love, to to believe that the situation's going to be okay if I don't yell or react. Mm -hmm. um, for Jesus, I mean, Lazarus died. He died, and yet he was risen back to life. As the story continues, Jesus goes into Bethany, tells the stone of his tomb to be rolled away four days later. I mean, the corpse is starting to stink at that point. And yet Jesus was able to call life out of the situation, even though he waited 
I think for me, what I struggle with a lot is if I don't react immediately, mm-hmm. the situation's going to get out of control. This this place of emergency, if I don't react, mm-hmm. it's going to get out of control and I'm going to be in more danger. Mm-hmm. When actually, by waiting, I'm thinking about you who are thinking about maybe you don't have enough groceries or uh, going to the store. I mean, the stores are crazy right now because people are reacting, being afraid. If I don't have this thing, I'll never have this thing. We'll all be locked down and then we'll all be in trouble. Well, that could be true. Lazarus could die in your life. But Jesus will bring life even out of those emergencies. I know people that have been tithing and they're tithing even though their businesses are going down. And even though their business went down and they couldn't even afford groceries, in that moment, they got checks in the mail. And I'm not encouraging that as a, as a, as a, a manner of doing life normally. But what I am encouraging is that even though we behave with Jesus, we go into, with him into the dangerous situation, he brings life out of it, even if we become more dangerous in our behavior with him. But it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to take a pause. It takes faith to wait and not get groceries in the midst of emergency. It takes faith to say, how do I want to show up today to my spouse, to my kids, to my friends, to my neighbors? Well, my hope is that today we can respond and welcome Jesus into all of this. And you're welcome to stay with me now as we go through ministry time. Or, um, my heart is to lead us in this place of asking a few questions. And the first is, what would it look like in your life right now to welcome Jesus into your anxiety, into this emergency? What are the things that are coming to the surface about how you're responding, how you're living, what you're feeling inside? Are you like me where you're feeling your whole body clench up? Are you like me where sometimes you yell? Are there places, are there rhythms, is there transformation, like our leader was saying, that God's asking you to have in your life, places of faith, movements of faith in your life, where instead of behaving with more anxiety or transferring your anxiety to whoever's around you, are there places in your life where God's asking you to transfer it to him in faith, even if you feel more dangerous? In what situations in your life are you recognizing anxiety? Are there rhythms to the anxiety? Is it when you wake up, go to sleep? Is it when you're disciplining your kids? Is it when your spouse has a a normal rhythm in their lives and and you're responding? What What would it look like for you to be curious to your anxiety? What are those places in your life? How is God asking you to struggle in faith with him? Are there some of you that in the middle of the night, you're you know that in your anxiety, you react instead of responding in faith. And it becomes more destructive than life-giving. For us this morning, I think it's time to return to joy, return to salvation, return to redemption, return to following Jesus, welcoming him into all of life. And as we do, my hope is that he will bring life in our anxiety in the emergency, build more faith in us, and then allow us to be people of faith, a non-anxious presence in the midst of the emergency. And I would just love for you to pray with me right now. And I'm going to keep my eyes open. I can't see you, (laughs) but I'm going to pray with my eyes open 
because I have an expectancy this morning that there's a lot of surrender that's going on. Some of you are just, you're being led to lift up your hands and you don't know why. And it's because God wants you to have a movement, a physical movement of surrender. Like you can almost see the anxiety in your hands. And I know some of you are actually feeling him right now. You're feeling uh, tingling in your hands or you're feeling a lightness come upon you. I was talking to a mechanic this past week. He said when he surrendered his life to Jesus, he went down on his knees almost without choosing. And he felt what he called was adrenaline go from the top of his head down to his feet. There are some of you today that need to take that movement of surrendering, not just your anxiety, but your whole life. That at this moment, you surrender your own kingdom, your own anxiety, your own way of thinking, your own life. And you give that all to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, actually. There's some of you, and you, some of you may even want to get on your knees right now and just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be free, so that I could live in truth and freedom, even if it's more dangerous. So I could live in more peace, even in the midst of emergency. Please be Lord of my life. Take control. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me that life that I need. I choose to follow you the rest of my life. I choose to be sourced by your life and your spirit in my life. Some of you who've been wanting to surrender this anxiety... I just imagine that there's even chaos going on in your home right now. And, you, and you're wondering, well, John, that's nice when you and your wife are sitting next to each other with a cup of coffee in your hand, but you don't know my life. I don't. But I know that God has saved me. No matter what's going on, I know he has saved me. And I know that he can save you in the midst of what's going on. Maybe you pray with your eyes open, but it's time to surrender and just... Even if you have to take a deep breath and just say, Jesus, would you rescue me? Would you change me? Would you transform me so that I can be fully formed to you, fully myself to you, free to you, and not trapped to react to this anxiety? I want to be different and I want to be new. I've seen God change the very cells in people's bodies. When they surrender and they just say, please, God. Each one of us right now in the city and all over the world are wondering what it means to respond, to be a non-anxious presence. And it begins with welcoming Jesus into what's going on here. Being curious about it and surrendering it and waiting And as we wait, I ask, Holy Spirit, come. From the top of our heads down to our feet, would you source us with your life? We want to feel peaceful first, Lord. We want to return to joy in our hearts. We want our whole bodies to be released from the anxiety that, that feeds there. We want our cells healed. 
We also want to be a non-anxious presence to our family and our neighbors, our workmates, our loved ones. Come, Holy Spirit, help us. We're helpless without you. Give us wisdom for knowing what it means to wait and wait for your presence. Well, as we close today, my heart is that you would not stay isolated. There's a couple of ways you can respond today. No matter how you've prayed, I'd love for you to go to nextsteps.missionvineyard.org. Nextsteps.missionvineyard.org is a place where you can put your name and whatever information you want to put. And if you've decided uh, to follow Jesus, there's a place to put that there. If you need a prayer request, there's a place to put that there. Uh, if you want to respond by connecting with a small group, there's a place to do that there. We have small groups that are going on all this week. There are going to be slides going on after we, we close today so that you know what those are. You can go to smallgroup.missionvineyard.org to see where they are on the map and their times and meetings. If they're not meeting physically, then you can give uh, the small group leader a call and uh, they can respond. If you want to, maybe you want somebody to pray for you right now. If you want a message, send a private message, a direct message within our Facebook uh, uh, site, our Facebook page. Uh, just put your phone number and somebody from the church is going to call you and pray with you right now. Uh, depending on the demand, people may take a few minutes to do that, but we're going to respond as quickly as we can and pray with you. We want to be partners in this as we have to be disconnected physically. We want to be partners and still stay connected in the best way we can. So please decide to connect. Go to nextstep.missionvineyard.org or smallgroup.missionvineyard.org and decide to respond and allowing other people around you to be those safe places in the midst of anxiety, to truth tellers, um, places where we can just be honest and, and authentic with who we are. Our mission as a church is to welcome Jesus into all of life. As we come together as community, our, our, our guidance is to love people more for who they are and not for what they do. We know that we're all going to screw up. We're not going to do it perfectly in the midst of emergency. There's always a new day in Jesus. And so I want to encourage you, if you slip up, if you blow up, if you do feel anxious, this is not the end of the world. You're not broken. But we are invited to continually welcome Jesus into the transformation that our hearts and minds and bodies and everything continually gets to get healed and restored so that we can be who Jesus wants us to be, more like him, more like him in the world. We need more of Jesus in this world. Well, I'm going to pray a blessing on you all as we close. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you'd be able to go from this time and this place to your family and friends and neighbors as a non-anxious presence in the midst of emergency, welcoming Jesus into every place of anxiety, pausing and being curious with him and what's going on and blessing those around you. I bless you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please continue to comment on the field. We're going to have just a few minutes of showing slides of our uh, small groups on the page. And uh, you can also respond by those links, smallgroup.missionvineyard.org or nextsteps.missionvineyard.org. Uh, we will be giving updates on where we'll be meeting, whether online or in person. 
after Friday. So keep uh, on updates there. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week.